Okay, so let's begin reading. We're going to read the whole pericope, the whole passage again, uh, just for context, to remind ourselves where we were. So let's start in verse 12. <clears throat> Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that the, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay, that's the whole passage. And if you remember, last week we kind of broke it down into three sections. We had this, this section up here. We called that section one. Um, I think it was 12 through 14, and that was basically the the false logic, you know, the, the really dumb way of thinking that leads you into sin, uh, particularly into sexual sin. And then 15 through 17 was section 2, and um, that was the sort of the the consequence. This is what this is what you're doing to the body of Christ when you fall into this faulty logic. And then the third section is what we're going to cover tonight is the um, uh, 18 through 20. And this was where Paul tells us there, there's a better way. You know, there's a better way to behave. There's a higher standard with which to live. So we're going to focus in on 18 through 20 tonight. So let's go ahead and pull that up. So just like last week, I want to take this and break this down by the logical argument. Um, so let's, let's structure the argument the way that Paul is, is laying it out. And, uh, and I think when we get there, when we figure out how it's laid out, what is the process for getting to where we have to go, that, that helps us understand what it is that, that Paul is saying. What, what, what does the Holy Spirit mean as he's talking to us through these verses? So if I were to lay this out, um, the, the bottom foundational piece would be this right here. You were bought with a price. Let's call that one. And then from there, we see that you are not your own. It's two. Now why, you know, a lot of people would say you are not your own is a foundational statement, but this exists, that you are not your own, exists because of what comes next. You were bought with a price. Do you see this four here? You were bought with a price, therefore you are not your own. Or you are not your own because you were bought with a price. So you were bought with a price stands alone. You are not your own is resting upon that. So we were bought with a price. You are not your own. God put his spirit in you, right here. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
within you, and I'm getting that God gave it to you. God put it in you from this right here, whom you have from God. So that's three. And then four, your body is a temple. You have the Spirit of God in you, so your body is a, is a temple. And a temple is the resting place, the, the dwelling place of, of the Holy Spirit of God. And then five, so we should flee from sexual immorality because it is a sin against the body. So instead, lastly, glorify God in your body. So let's get these down. One, bought with a price. Two, you are not your own. I'm going to add here, but you are God's. You're not your own. Well, then whose are you? Obviously, you are you are God's. You were bought with the price. You are, you are God's. You belong to God. Three, God's put his spirit in you. Four, you are, therefore, his temple. That means therefore. Five. So flee sexual immorality. Six. Because it is a sin. Not just against, not just a sin in general, but a sin against the temple of God. And then finally, seven, glorify God in your body. Okay, so that's, that's a lot of writing I did there. I hope you can read it. If not, that's okay. You know what I said. So let, let's look at this. So that's the logical progression. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. You are God's. God put his spirit in you. Because you are his, he put what it belongs to him in you. You are his vessel. And number four, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where God lives in his holy place. Flee sexual immorality. You are a holy temple. Flee sexual immorality because it is a sin against your holy temple, against God's holy temple, which is your body. And instead, you should glorify God in your body. So we have two opposing ideas right off the bat at the very beginning. We see two opposing ideas here. Lastly, the last statement here, glorify God in your body. And this first statement, um, this whole, whole verse here about sexual immorality. So what Paul is saying is that you cannot have one with the other. You cannot glorify God and be sexual, sexually immoral. 
these are opposing ideas. Sexual immorality, if it exists, you, it shouldn't be there. You should not uh, engage in sexual immorality. Instead, you should glorify God in your body. That's the two opposing ideas, and then the middle part is, is what gets us, what links these two so that we know why one is better than the other. So, that's the two opposing ideas. These guys cannot coexist. So we need to look at the foundational statement. What does it mean to be bought with a price? That's statement. That's the first thing. That's the, the bedrock of this argument that Paul is making. You were bought with a price. Let's write that down up here. Bought. I'm going to use green, like the color of money. Not that money was exchanged, but we all understand that money has value. I want to go down to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. The author says, He entered once. He, talking about Christ, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves. This was the sacrifices, sacrificial system, if you recall. Not by, not by means, not by these means, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So we are bought by Jesus' blood. That's his own life. That was the price that was paid. We are bought for eternal redemption. So let's put that up here. We were bought for eternal redemption. And see, you've got to look at what the Scripture says and what it, what it means as well. So if we were purchased for eternal redemption, that means we were purchased away from something. We were purchased out of something. We were bought into eternal redemption, which means that if eternal redemption is where we were headed, then we were coming out of eternal damnation. So we were purchased out. I'm going to call it judgment. We are purchased out of eternal damnation, or out of judgment, eternal judgment. So, we were bought out of judgment, out of eternal damnation. We were bought into eternal redemption. This means that we were bought... This is not going to be popular, and not many people like, like this, but we were bought from the wrath of God. That's this judgment here. And it is a righteous, holy judgment. See, God is, God is infinitely valuable. And not many people like to think about this aspect of it, but we were purchased from the wrath of God. Jesus came to save us from the wrath of a holy God. Oh, I hope you hear me with your spiritual ears. Look at it this way. God is infinitely valuable. So sin against God is infinitely damning. Like, let's say you have an old car in your, your driveway, and it's just an, it's an old, beat-up clunker. Um, you couldn't even give it away. Uh, it doesn't run, and it just sits in your It's got weeds growing up through it, um, and, you know, mice have made nests in the, uh, the glove compartment. Um, it's just an old, beat-up clunker, rusted out, 
So if I come over to your house one morning and I have a sledgehammer and I take a sledgehammer to the headlights and to the doors and I, I just do a number on that thing, I have not really, I mean, it was pretty worthless to begin with, but I, I mean, I've done damage to it and I should rightfully have to compensate you for whatever damage is done, but I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's something that I would probably be able to pay because the damage isn't, isn't, the value of the thing wasn't great to begin with. It wasn't a great value. So I didn't do much damage to the value of it because it didn't have value to begin with. Now, take that same situation and apply it to, let's say you have an exotic Italian sports car in your driveway and I come over there and I start going to town on it with a sledgehammer. Now, Obviously, because I've done damage to the value of your car, I, I need to repay you for what I have done. That, that would be right, and that would be just. And what I would have to repay would be a lot more in that situation than if it were just an old clunker car, because the value of the thing that was defiled or defaced was so much higher. Now apply that to something that is of infinite value, something that is priceless and un inestimable in its value. And I come and do damage, I, I, I just deface it and I defile it and, and, and scratch it up and make it look like it's not worth anything. Notice I say make it look like it's not worth anything. Imagine, imagine that. So my debt to be paid would be bigger than what I could pay because the value of the thing that I defaced was so big to begin with. And this is what happens when, when we sin against God. We have all sinned. That's Romans 3.23. We have all incurred an infinite debt because we have sinned against an infinitely precious, infinitely holy, infinitely righteous God. We have a debt that we, we can't pay. That is, that is why all sin is, is totally damning. All sin is worthy of an eternity of punishment. Some people have a problem with that. They think, how, how can, how can uh, you know, 80 years of a sinful life justify an eternity of, of punishment and suffering and, and damnation? Well, it's because in that 80 years of a sinful life, you have committed infinite sin against God because God is infinite. Every, every infraction, every, every, every smudge on his Beautiful glory and then on his holiness is is worth infinite punishment because he is infinitely valuable. But God in his infinite mercy made a way for everyone to be counted as righteous, even though we are guilty of infinite sin, of an infinite debt we cannot pay. So he made a way for us through the blood of Jesus to be righteous. That's the that's the price that was paid. He made a way for us by purchasing us with the price. And there's going to come a day when we will all stand before God. Every last person that ever lived, ever drew breath, will stand before God. And, and he will say to those that did not put their, their trust in Christ, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will be cast into outer darkness. Now listen, church, no, no one is going to go there willingly. This is why I say that we are saved, we are bought from God's wrath, from His own wrath. He had to do it that way. 
No one's going to go to hell willingly. No one's going to look at God and say, well, you know, I guess you were right. I, I really should have listened more. I suppose I'll go out there in the outer darkness and, and with all the weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that's just how it'll be for me. I should have paid better attention. Oh, well. No. They're going to be cast out there with, with screaming. and with. They're not going to want to go. They have to be put there, and they'll be put there by a righteous and loving God. And when that happens, when they are, when the, the unrighteous and unredeemed are condemned with all the, the demons of hell and with Satan, we will all, we who are redeemed, we will rejoice. We who are ransomed, we will rejoice with great rejoicing over God when he does this because his glory has been vindicated. His righteousness has been upheld. His holiness has been exalted. And we will glory in that. We will rejoice with, with much rejoicing over that. It won't be a sad thing for us. We won't look at him and think, oh, how mean could you be? How unloving could you be? No, we will, we will satisfy ourselves in that God's glory has been ransomed and secured. So this is why I say we are bought from God's wrath. We're bought from God's judgment. Well, look what else that we're bought from. Down in, in Hebrews chapter 9, just skip a few verses, verse 14. He says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's important right there. Serve the living God from dead works. So not only are we purchased from, we are saved from judgment for sin, but we were bought from sin itself. That's, that's dead works. We were bought from sin itself. So let's add that up here. Sin, three. We are bought from sin. That's what that purchase bought us from. Freedom from sin. And look at what else it did. There's one more here. This is the flip side of being bought from sin, from dead works. For those who struggle and say, I, I just can't do it. I try, but no matter how hard I try to kick this thing, what, whatever the sinful behavior is, I, I, just, I just keep going back to it. Well, just look at this. You were bought to serve the living God. This was purchased by the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean? You were bought to serve the living God. Your, your joy In Christ, I think it means the your your sacrificial love. It means your righteous deeds. You know, Jesus said, "Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify God." He bought your your joyful obedience. He bought your purity. He bought your holiness. So everybody wants to talk about the physical healing that was bought in the atonement. You know, Jesus purchased your healing in the atonement. And I'm not discounting that one bit. Sure, yes, absolutely. Jesus bought that 
in the atonement. But I'm going to tell you one thing. The body is temporary. Paul says as much in the first part of this passage. God will destroy both one and the other. Jesus said, don't be afraid of the one who can destroy the body, but be afraid of the one who can destroy the soul in hell. Your body is temporary, and it doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't matter how healthy I am. One day, this body is going to perish. One day, this body will, will, will wither, and it will die, and I will be without it until I am resurrected on that glorious day. But for the meantime, Lord, heal my soul, O Lord. Fix my, my broken heart so that it, it sings for you. Let me run this race with indescribable, indestructible joy. Give me peace that, that even I don't understand, but I know where it comes from, exactly where it comes from. Pour me out like a drink offering, every drop for your glory. That's, that's what he purchased for me in the atonement. That's what he purchased for me with his blood, to serve the living God. So he, he didn't just purchase freedom from sin. He purchased freedom to do good works, freedom to be righteous, freedom to serve him. So you have problems serving God. You think, I just don't have it in me. I don't know. I don't know how to do good things. I'm just such a wicked person. Whatever. Jesus purchased your righteousness. Jesus purchased your joyful obedience. He purchased peace that passes understanding for you. We've got to write that down. Freedom to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. That means so many things, church. From our sacrificial giving to our sacrificial love to being joyful in all situations to, to you know, the, uh, Paul said rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. So many things were bought in that atonement that have nothing to do with our, our physical ailments or what physical ailments. Sure, that's there, but that the greater, more important thing is that our souls have been restored through the atonement. Our souls have been bought, and we have been given healing in our souls through the atonement. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. So you, you belong to God, and as, as God's person as God's body, what is he does with you, what, what he thinks is right to do with you. He puts his spirit in you. And, and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit is the temple of God. The Holy Spirit, which is both from God and it is God. So God dwells within you. His spirit is sent from him to you as a comforter, and it, he is God. He is God in the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. That makes you a holy temple. Well, what does it mean to be a temple? There is a holiness involved. You are a sanctuary. There's a righteousness. This is a sacred thing that you have become. Your body has become a sacred dwelling place for an infinitely valuable God. And, and, and Paul says, don't you know this? Haven't, haven't you, don't you know that your body is a temple? He's repeating himself from chapter 3. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? That God put in you? Because God owns you, you belong to him? 
So that that's why that's why he gives us verse eighteen, where he says, "Flee from sexual immorality." Flee from it. Now I, that is a an important word. We must understand this. You know, in other places in Scripture, we're told to resist the devil. We're told to be watchful. We're told to be mindful. But here, Paul says, "Flee from this thing." He says it shouldn't even be named among you. This is a run from sexual immorality. You do not want to be anywhere near it. You don't want it to be counted among you. You don't want to be trapped up in that at all because it is deadly to the Christian soul. And and the damage that you do is not just damage to your your own body. He says you you do sin against your own body. This is a deep and and personal thing when you engage in, in sexual immorality, when you are moving and seeking the desires, the purient desires of the flesh. See, Paul, remember, Paul's talking to a society that had in it, in its culture, a, a, uh, uh, a willingness to pursue sexual immorality as a form of worship. And Paul's saying that is not worship. That you cannot glorify God that way. They are, they are completely opposed to one another. You are doing damage to the temple of God, the holy temple of God, when you pursue sexual immorality. We're made holy and sacred. And when we sin against our bodies, which is what sexual immorality is, we sin against our own body, we are defiling the holy sanctuary of God. Would you, would you walk into the sanctuary of of our church with mud all over your feet, all over your shoes, or would you clean your shoes off first? I mean, just out of respect for the building, and it's just a, a box made out of sticks. Would you would you go into the sanctuary of Family Worship Center with a bucket of raw sewage and, and dump it out all over the pulpit? Or out of out of just respect for the building and what the building represents, would would you not do that? <laughs> that? That's what you're doing. That's what we do when we pursue sexual immorality. Because the opposite of fleeing is to pursue it. There is, there is no middle ground here. We don't toy with it. We pursue it. We don't wrestle with it. We pursue it. Or we flee it. Paul says, run from this thing. Because if you don't, the, if you don't, those are the things that happen. You're defiling God's holy temple. So he says, instead, what you should do, instead, church, is to glorify God in your body. That's that's the difference. Glorify God in your body. Whatever you do in word or deed or whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. All of life isn't Paul great? Uh, that's that's. If I had to sum it up, it, his his whole message, all of life, to the glory of God. And uh, I hope you don't get sick of hearing me say that, uh, because that is how we are called to live. So flee from things that are are purient. Flee from things that defile the temple of God, and instead glorify God in your body. That that can mean some things with you know self sacrifice doing. Without maybe you know we, we don't have that extra dessert, um, and I'm talking to myself. I'm pointing fingers at me here. Maybe um, you know we don't watch that extra episode, and instead we spend we use our body, the body that God gave us. That's interesting here that He says in your body, when He just got finished telling us we are not our own. 
That is the, that, that stewardship right there. We are given our bodies by God. He owns them, and he has given them to us to be good stewards over. And a steward manages an asset for its owner. You don't own your body. You just manage this asset for God. And so whatever we do, like I said earlier, pour me out like a drink offering every drop for your glory. And that, that's what Paul would say. If I'm poured out like a drink offering, let it be for God's glory, for your salvation and for God's glory. And that's what we should be praying. God, use us. Help us to find ways to be poured out for your glory, to use what you've given us, the precious few years on this planet that you've given us to build your kingdom, to glorify you, not to be a stumbling stone or a stumbling block to others, but to glorify you. Well, I hope this has been beneficial to you. Uh, we're going to call it quits uh, for, for that. Um, that's the end of chapter 6. Um, glorify God in your bodies. You were bought with a price. Amen. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. And um, I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. So Father God, we, once again, we come to you, and we thank you so much for your precious word. And I pray that it has been light and life to all of us who have heard it. It has certainly been a joy for me to, to dive into it. And I, I just pray that this medium, though we're not together, we're watching on screens, Lord, that you, you bless the effort and that you, you bless us as we come together in spirit, Father. I pray for each and every one of the, the members of Family Worship Center, and I ask that you bless them with a special blessing, Lord. I ask that you be the God who provides and the God who heals and the God who protects for all of us. Lord, I know there are many needs out there, uh, but Father, you are faithful, always faithful, and you are just to forgive. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.